This is the Blackout Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Blackout Podcast where I get to talk to amazing people that do amazing things. And today we have Ariel Gov. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, let's start with Bailey, shall we? Okay. <laughs> Why did you start the company? Uh, so I met my co-founder, Edwina Govinsami, in 2015. And I always like to say we were on an adult play date. Um, <laughs> I was working with her mom at the time. And she kept saying, you need to meet Edwina when she moves here from univer- for university. And uh, finally, we were able to meet. And we had coffee. But her mom was sitting right there the whole time. So I felt like <laughs> we had a chaperone. Yeah. Uh, but we met and we instantly hit it off. Uh, we were both ambitious and go-getters. And we knew we wanted to start a business together. We didn't know what. So we just started brainstorming ideas, and finally she said, why don't we start a fragrance company? Hmm. And I said, that sounds easy. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, safe to say it wasn't easy. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, though, we didn't just want to sell a product. We did want to do something that was more empowering. So it's all about empowering women to achieve their dreams and change the world, and also supporting young girls. Mm. The Ugandan thing. Let's talk about that. How did you pick that charity to support Uyghur Company? We went back and forth on that because there are amazing local charities here uh, who are working with girls. But at the same time, there are amazing international charities as well. So for us with that program, it was all about the community work that they're doing in Uganda. So it's not just this outside organization coming in and trying to tell people what to do or how to live. They're actually empowering community leaders to deliver the program themselves. Mm. We really love that part of it. And we think it could be applicable to other situations. So we were really excited to see the work that they're doing and see how that could be expanded and how we could be a part of that. Mm, mm. And and then so you said, oh, making a fragrance is easy, but then you immediately found out it was difficult. Walk me to the process of actually getting from this idea to the bottles. Yeah, sometimes I'm just shocked at where we are today because when I say we knew nothing about the industry, it was abysmal. <laughs> um, so we started to do our research and I'm not in the kitchen making cosmetics Um, my co-founder she's not either I mean she likes to experiment but we're we're not perfumers so we quickly scrapped that idea of actually making it ourselves Mm -hmm. Uh, so we started just researching and looking for different manufacturers who could who could help us but one thing we found was there wasn't a lot of transparency around ingredients and we weren't comfortable selling something that we didn't know what was in there. Mm. Um, And I personally, my mom has a fragrance sensitivity. So any type of fragrance used to irritate her. Mm. So we wanted to find something that wouldn't irritate people. Mm -hmm. So eventually after doing further research and doing a lot of sampling, we probably couldn't smell anything by the end of it. (laughs) uh, We were able to find someone who not only would be more transparent with what they were using in the fragrance, but just aligned with a lot of the values that we have as a business. Why are they not transparent about what to put in the bottles? They don't have to be. Oh! They really don't have to be by law. All you have. So next time you go into a shopper's, look at your um, the back of your packaging, and it will say fragrance. But fragrance can actually be thousands of chemicals. Oh. And they don't have to disclose that because it's called a trade secret. They don't want people to, to replicate take that it. Thing. Yeah, but again, when you're thinking of your health, that's not very helpful for people who do have sensitivities. 
because you just don't know what's in there. Oh, wow. That's weird. So, like, are there any, I guess, push to um, make companies more transparent with what's in their products? Slowly but surely, there are. Um, and I think fragrance is just very slow to catch up. But consumers more and more want to know what's going into their products. They want to buy more natural products as well. So mm -hmm. as consumers are asking for it, brands are changing. Um, so you'll see now that some larger companies like Unilever are actually publishing all of their ingredients, oh. even for fragrance. So I think over the coming years, we will see people being more transparent with that. Okay, that's great. So you, you met this company and they're like, oh, we'll tell you everything inside and then you smell. By the way, I got to ask you, does the coffee thing really work? Like the coffee bean thing really work? Like where if you smell and then if you like sniff a coffee bean, it kind of like resets your sense of smell? It does, oh. yes. So when we're sampling our fragrance, we do use coffee or you can just smell your skin. Oh. Well, obviously, if you put fragrance yeah, yeah, on, yeah. Like, smell a part of your skin that yeah. you haven't put fragrance on and that mm. helps to reset your senses as well oh wow 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 um so you know you you smell you go through all the samples and then you're like this is the one mm -hmm. what happens from there from there it was all about branding the product so what did we want the name to be what did we want it to represent because fragrance is all about telling a story mm -hmm. right that's how you know after you smell it you want to connect with it in some way so we had to decide, okay, what's the story around this collection? How do we brand it? What does it look like? So we did that all of ourselves, all ourselves, because as a small startup, you just don't have the budget to hire anyone to do it. So it was all about figuring it out. And what did you and uh, Edwina come up with? So it's called the Girl Power Collection because 15% goes to the Girl Power Project in Uganda. Mm -hmm. And the names are Brilliance, Excellence, and Resilience because those are qualities that we see in the women around us. So it's all about that empowering aspect of just letting women and girls know that they're all of those things. Mm -hmm. Why is that important to you? Uh, because in my own life, I think having a sense of um, confidence in myself and my abilities has allowed me to get to where I am today. And I would love for other women to have that same sense of confidence. Mm. Um, so anything that we can do as a company to support that, we are 100% on board to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the company name itself, Bailey, there's a beautiful story behind that. you want to share that? Mm. Again, it goes back to that empowering women, and that's our core value. So Bailey is actually an impact crater on the south side of the moon. Mm -hmm. And impact craters are, are formed when an object traveling at a high velocity hits a hard surface and makes a hole. So that's a great metaphor for women one by one who are making an impact in their communities in their own way. Mm -hmm. Well, come back to Bailey. Let's rewind. Before you met Edwina, like, uh, I remember talking to you and you told me of all the things you did before even Bailey. I'm like, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that talk. It came out of my mouth before I could hold myself. Okay. But like, but like um, let's talk about it. So from high school you're already doing like cool stuff share some of these things okay uh it's funny because when i was growing up my mom would always say ariel you know i could always tell that you knew that there was so much more than what you were seeing in front of you mm -hmm. so i've always been this ambitious person wanting to do more wanting to do more sometimes that's been helpful sometimes it hasn't <laughs> been um so out of high school i ended up moving to england so i studied in england for a bit and then i came back and i I really just wanted to get more involved in community, just doing something. 
And my manager at the time I was working at a clothing store, she was involved in politics. So she would tell me, Ariel, you need to go volunteer on a campaign. And I thought, what is this crazy lady talking about? <laughs> what is politics? Like, who, what do politics, do they do anything? Yeah. But I took her advice. And at around, I was 19 at the time, I decided to volunteer on a campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, I just, I started volunteering. I started getting my name out there. So ever since, I've really been involved in the political space um, and just trying to make change in that way as well. Mm, but what are some specific things you did since when you started? Uh, so I worked on Parliament Hill. I worked for um, a federal cabinet minister on social policy. Um, I worked here provincially in Nova Scotia. I worked on countless campaigns. I ran communications for countless campaigns. And I'm also involved in getting youth in politics. In what way? Uh, so I work for the Nova, well, I used to um, be involved in the Nova Scotia Young Liberals. Um, and I also run civic engagement workshops in different schools and mm. with community organizations as well. Wow. And, and then um, going back, I remember we, the very first time I saw in person was actually we went to this high school to kind of have a talk. Yes. And, you know. How, how I guess, when you're invited to those type of things, what is your approach to them? Well, I think number one for kids, I just remember being in high school and people coming to present and they were so boring. <laughs> you're sitting there and you're just waiting for lunch. So I always approach it as, okay, yes, I want to give this message about why this is important. But at the end of the day, how do I make it engaging so that they're not leaving Mm -hmm. thinking, I don't even know what she just said. I just Mm want to go eat some food. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I approach it. How can I make it just tangible for them? Like whether it's making pop culture references, Mm -hmm. references, because it's one thing to say, okay, you need to, you know, make an impact in your community and do good. But it's another thing to say, you know your favorite basketball player? You know LeBron James? You know he created this, uh, started this great school that's helping to educate kids in his community? Okay, why is that important? Even mm. though he's a basketball player, he still understands that there is so much more that can be done to help others. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I try to approach it anyway. Wow, that's awesome. And let's get back to Bailey. So so you said, uh, you know, Edwin, I knew you have this line, but then the other day you... you you're like, you're kind of working on a lot of things on the background. Is there anything you can share? Yeah. So I think we started the business two years ago now Mm -hmm. and the fragrance space is really competitive. There are so many different fragrance brands and it's hard to get people's attention and hard to get them to try new products. So right now we're doing a lot of research and development around how we can differentiate our fragrance, what more do people want from their perfume. I especially think after COVID, people are thinking a lot more about health and wellness and how you can just be healthier. So how can we um, redevelop or reformulate our fragrances in a way that helps people to improve their health and wellness? So that's all I can share on that little project right now. Um, But that's kind of the direction that we're going. We want to make people, yes, we want to empower them, feel confident, but part of that actually starts with your physical health. So mm. how can we as a company help people do that? So is it like, uh, how long before we hear anything more? Huh. I'm hoping within the next year. Okay. That's what we're planning for. But you never know what can happen. And how do you like manage all the things you do in your time? 
That was a learning process. Mm. Um, I think now I've developed better time management skills. Everything goes into my calendar. If it's not in my calendar, it doesn't happen. That's, <laughs> that's even from, okay, visiting my parents. Like <laughs> no, people definitely think I have a little bit of OCD with my calendar just yeah. because um, it's color-coded. You know, everything is scheduled. Because if not, then I, I find I feel scattered and mm. I'm not able to get things done. Yeah. So certainly using my calendar tool and my phone and just being intentional about, okay, this is Bailey time. I work a nine to five. So this is my nine to five time. That's in the calendar. This is me time. This is for relationships. This is for health and wellness. It's really been helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And I find that personally too, color coding is brilliant. Because like, you know, just looking at the calendar, I'm like, okay, I'm shooting this, I'm recording this. You know, like each color means a certain thing. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, yeah. Like I use a Google calendar uh, and that like I love that I can sync on everything. So on my computer, on my phone, wherever it's at, like I kind of know what I'm doing when. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you always throw, you always make mistakes or you yeah. forget that you have to be there. But at least you have that one thing that you can go back to and mm. keeps you in line. Mm. Um, so, I guess, what are some other things you're working on? Apart from this thing you can tell us. Hmm, that's a great question. So, I still also do a lot of... Um, workshops with girls. So recently with a Black Business um, Initiative, I just finished a three-week workshop with girls called Girls with Ideas. Mm, so what's that, that about? Yeah, it's all about talking with girls about what leadership is and they learn about, okay, what is a leader? Because oftentimes if they're 8 to 14, they think, well, that's someone who's 50 years old and who gets up in front of a lot of people. Um, so just talking to them about leadership, uh, mm. leadership styles, and who can be a leader. So we go into, you know, this is a 14-year-old girl and this is the project that she started in her community. And then from there we talk about ideas. So leaders have ideas. What are ideas? And so we talk about the fact that they make things better or they solve problems. Mm. So they go through this whole session about what problems do they see in their schools and their communities. Mm-hmm. After they've identified those, those problems, then we talk about action plans. Uh, actions speak louder than words, I always like to tell yeah. them. So. We have our ideas. How can we actually make them happen? Mm. And then they're able to, over the ne- over the coming weeks, actually work on making those ideas happen. So is it like one workshop a week or? It depends on the community group that I'm working with. So with BBI, for example, it was every second week for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, last summer, I ran it for 10 weeks with a group of girls. Mm. So it depends. It, it depends on what people are looking for. And I guess last summer was in person. Yes. And this summer was online. a big difference (laughs) so um covid happened i guess march uh what do you recall that experience was for you when it first hit and we had to shut everything down it's you know it's strange looking back on it because i remember being in my office at work um and there was supposed to be a conference of a thousand people coming to halifax and march 16th they still didn't know if this was going to happen and then i think the next day, everything seemed to have changed. People were staying home. We were told to work from home. The conferences, the events were canceled. So I think it was just an immediate switch for me. Mm-hmm. Um, where I was now working from home, a lot of the work that I do on a daily basis is in person at events. So there were no more events. So it was just a strange, surreal transition that everything is just kind of shut down. And then gradually with more restrictions like having to wear a mask, it 
you, it kind of feels like you're not even experiencing it until you sit down and think, wow, this isn't how it was four mm. months ago, but here we are. Mm. Yeah. Um, and did was it tra- how swift was the transition for you, like from working in person to working online? Uh, like I said, happened next day. So we were in the office one day. The next day, the directive was, okay, everybody, if you can work from home, work from home. Mm-hmm. It was fairly smooth because luckily I am able to have my phone and my laptop with me and my boss is also very understanding. Uh, so for me, it was it was great, but I also know that some other people have had a lot of challenges with making that transition. Mm. And I like the flexibility because with the 101 things that I feel like I'm always juggling, mm-hmm. being able to be at home and feeling like you're more in control of your time has been great. So, you know, I was I was actually having this conversation with a friend that now uh, that it seems like, say, 60 to maybe 80% of people can actually do their actual work from home, like 80 to 90% of it. If, you know, in the near future there's a vaccine and it's like, okay, everything is all open again, like, will, do you think people will be given the option to either work from home or come into the office? I want, I want to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that there's still, maybe it's a generational thing, I don't know. There's this notion that if you're not in the office, you're not being productive. Mm. And I would hope that COVID has changed that. But I think it's still going to take some time for people to really understand that, yeah, you can have this flexibility, work from home, have life also on the go and still be productive at work and actually get things done. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I think there are some uh, tech companies that we yeah. see now who are making the full transition to being remote. Mm-hmm. But I work in government nine to five. Oh, man. And I think um, we're seeing some flexibility with that, but there's just always that idea that you have to be in the office. So we'll see. I don't know. Mm, I think for me, the the thing that I miss with COVID is the whole um, traveling for events. <laughs> and that's the only thing I really miss. Um, but like my work, I can do it from home because um, it's pretty much all online Mm -hmm. um and then i have this feeling that when it comes to it i'm gonna struggle to actually go back to the office to do work work yeah i'll be able to do it but like you say well you know we'll know soon um here's the other thing though why do you think um there are people some people that have the difficulty of uh like believing how real covid is Huh. Well, I think uh, well, with anything, unless it's directly in our face, we don't have a, a good idea of what it is. So I think here in Canada, Nova Scotia, we put in this context, we've been really fortunate to um, have at least some safety in terms of mm. solid public health directives to tell us what to do. It's been fairly streamlined. We see those messages. So we're very much insulated mm. in a way. There are some people who have been affected, especially those who have older parents who might have caught the disease and, you know, but on a day-to-day, it doesn't really feel like it affects me because I'm not around someone who had COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think when it's on your doorstep and, you know, someone you know gets sick, Mm. then it becomes real. But we as humans, it's the same thing I think of things like climate change. Why are we so reluctant to move on things like that? It's because it's not in our face every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we see storms that are getting worse we see this but really it's not tangible Mm. so i think 
maybe it's a survival tactic that it's like we push it outside of our brain until it actually affects us in some real or tangible way. If it's not affecting me, I don't really need to know about it. Yeah, yeah. And then we, we just try to deny it. So we we like to like pick up on information that may not necessarily be true, but just also reinforces our way of thinking mm. or our, our way of survival. Mm. So let's go back to Bailey again. Um, you and Edwina, you got the fragrance and um, what happened? Like, so did the company also kind of like design the bottle, the pack and all that stuff? Yes. So we did all of it. So luckily Edwina has a graphic design background. Nice. So she was able to do it all of all herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still do it all ourselves, but hopefully as we grow, our goal is to hire more people and to be able to work with people who specialize in design and packaging and because that's all about being competitive and wanting to scale your business it's mm-hmm. it's improving and getting better and we can only do so much so when you say ourselves do you mean just the two of you yes oh <laughs> when you say ourselves i thought you had like you know a team or something no it's just the two of us whoa whoa i'm lazy like i'm super lazy so i can't even imagine <laughs> i know the i can't i don't believe that i can't even imagine the amount of work that goes into it because then you have to do work and all these things and still make it work and how do you decide the people you partner with when you want to <clears throat> when it comes to bailey so for manufacturing of the um yeah let's say from one end to one end so from manufacturing to to like uh where you uh sales outlets Mm -hmm. well it's very much hit or miss when it comes to working with people to actually create the product we just had to do a lot of sampling and try things out sometimes it didn't always work i mean to get the actual name on the bottle you wouldn't even imagine how difficult that was (laughs) it was about four months before we could even figure that out because we had to go to so many different people so it's trial and error and luckily with people who actually sell our products. So we sell online on our website at www.bailey.co. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have salons and spas who carry the product. Mm. And a lot of them have actually reached out to us because they found us on our Instagram or on our website. And they just say, hey, we'd be interested in carrying your product. Hopefully in the future, we're able to be in larger stores. That's mm-hmm. the goal. But for now, it's been really nice to work with salons, especially that are women-owned, mm. and also believe in the things that we believe in because they're excited about the project, the product. So um, when their hairstylists are doing hair or when their estheticians are working with clients, they can say, we have this really great product. This is what it stands for. We absolutely love it. So it seems to just sell itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it comes back to the values that it's behind the company itself. Yeah, and when I talk to people about business, we always talk about values-based businesses. Mm. So from the beginning, even though it's perfume, for us it's more than that. And we talk about authenticity, so wanting to really share our journey with people and Mm. letting them know that, yes, business is hard, but here's how we've been able to make it work. Mm -hmm. That empowerment piece, piece, so whether it's the names of our collections or donating a portion, Uh, It's about being inclusive. We are women of color, so that's important. And women of color you don't often see in the beauty space, especially certain companies. Mm. And then impact, again, back to how we can make a difference in the world. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where you see, like, um, things are marketed to women of color, but, like, the people behind the product are women of color. And Mm. sometimes there's that disconnect because, like, you're making something for someone you are, like, that isn't really like you and it might be a big miss yes and it almost seems exploitative in some way so Mm. when you look at the cosmetics and the fragrance market especially hair care Mm -hmm. black women 
are spending far more money than any other group, but yet we're not benefiting economically from that. Mm. So why is that? I don't see that as right. So how is it that not only can we build a successful business in this space, but how can we encourage other women and men to to get involved? Mm, mm. I mean, you know, just thinking back of like, like with the thing you are doing with B, BBI, you are, you are actually preaching using yourself as an example like you know what i did this i started this with my friend and uh, and we did it as a play date and look where we are <laughs> <laughs> look where we are so um this thing you can't talk about how long have you been working on it now um i probably the past six months has been focusing on that <laughs> it's crazy yeah um and so you're still looking like at another year before it happens like I'm impatient. <laughs> How do you do it? Like, you know, you know you have this goal in front of you and you know to get there it's going to take this time. Mm-hmm. How do you like stay focused to get there? Well, I I certainly see the pressure and the and why it would be a rush to get it done because especially in the fragrance and cosmetic space, you feel like there's one company, you know, releasing a new product every day so you want to get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we want to get it done right and we want it to be safe. Mm. And that takes time. It takes time to research ingredients. It takes time to find the manufacturer. So it's just being realistic about timelines. But mm. the good thing is, as a small company, we can be faster than the bigger companies. Yeah. Right? So even if it took us a year, it probably would take a bigger company about five years to get the same product out. So we do have that benefit and it's just about reminding ourselves of that. Yes, we do want to get it out soon, but we still have some time and we want to get it right. And, and you know, so you and Edwina, you're close. Uh, how long does it take you to make up your minds on something? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, we always say we like to go, we do circular talk. So we'll say, well, this is a great idea. We'll talk ourselves out of it and then go back to the same idea. Mm-hmm. So we've had to learn to really trust our gut from the get-go, mm-hmm. which is just practice. So I find now, after two years of being in business, uh, it's much easier for us. We'll take an hour. We'll really map it out or we'll brainstorm and we'll say okay is this a good idea what are all the pros and cons and make Mm -hmm. a decision at that meeting Mm -hmm. but before it was just talking ourselves into (laughs) it talking ourselves out of it but you know as new business owners that owners that's what you do Mm. um but you get you get better with time so um you you know you know your mom has this uh, allergy to fragrances and uh, I mean, you knew you were going to do something that wouldn't left definitely affect her. But like before you told her that, what was her reaction to, hey, mom, I want to make perfumes. And, and what was her reaction before you told her that, you know, you had a plan for mm-hmm. someone that would be allergic to it? Yeah. Not only didn't I tell her why we had a plan to do it, I didn't tell her that we would be doing it in her home. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the other thing. Uh, so I don't even know if I actually sat her down and had that conversation. I was just kind of like, hey, mom, I met this girl. You know, we're brainstorming ideas. Uh, oh, yeah, we're going to do fragrance. And by the way, we need to fill bottles here. <laughs> so she really didn't have time. And then before she knew it, 10 pounds of perfume were in her house. And oh, luckily, no. you know, she didn't, she didn't have a reaction. But yeah. <laughs> so that just shows <laughs> that the product is, it works. It's okay. Oh, man. You know, you do so much and you give back so much to the community and to this uh, uh, amazing um, charity in Uganda. Uh, and then you find time to make it work and still do the nine to five. Um, and then you have this plan for the next phase of your, of your company. I'm guessing I want to make this my last question. Um, what do you feel like, you know, however old you are now, 
But what do you think you would have loved to hear from someone that looks like you um, 10 years ago? Hmm, that's a really great question. Um, And I think I'll always go back to what one of my girls said in my workshop last year. So as I said, we go through what ideas are and how to make it happen. And Mm -hmm. she said, you know what, Miss Ariel, because that's what they call me, Miss Ariel, like I'm I'm so old. Um, (laughs) You know, I love that when I have an idea and I say it out loud, I can make it happen. And I was like, that, that is exactly what I want you to learn, right? Because it's no matter if you're in school, because I think oftentimes students can get discouraged about what their teachers are telling them they can and can't do Mm -hmm. when you're out in the workplace. If you just have that sense that, you know what, I can dream it up. Mm. I already have what it takes to make it happen. Mm -hmm. I think no matter what you choose to do in life, you will be better off. Mm. So that's what I, I wish someone would have told me that I had to develop that for myself. And I had parents who were supportive, but you know, not many people have that. Mm. Wow. I actually said, I lied. So I said, that was the last question, but I guess this is my real last question. Um, you know, but you kind of touched on it earlier on with the haircare thing. How important do you think representation is? I think it's important, but I don't think it should be surface level representation. Mm. Um, I think companies right now are quick to say, well, we just put this model who is diverse in our campaign. But how many people are you employing in your company? Because, you know, improving outcomes, especially around systemic racism, is about providing opportunity and especially economic opportunity because that has a trickle down effect. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm encouraged by this idea of representation, but it's representation where and for Mm. who. Uh, so it's it's about taking a more, you know, critical lens at representation and what that means and how we're actually putting it into practice. Okay. I like, no, I'm kidding. That was a real last <laughs> okay. one. Thank you so much for coming to podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This is the Blackout Podcast. listening.